Welcome to Pinewoods Chapel. We're glad you're here. Here's Pastor Chris Atkinson. When you go to a grocery store, how do you know it's a grocery store? When you go to a hardware store, how do you know if it's a hardware store? Well, those questions are usually easy for us to answer because when we go to a grocery store, we're there for groceries. And if we're at the hardware store, we're there because we need something around our house. But when you go to a building and you gather as a church, how do you know it's a church? Your answer to that question may be the architect or symbols present in the building, or maybe even the day and time that you gather together. But each of us needs to know how to recognize the church. If you're gathered with a group of people claiming to be the church, how would you know if they're really the church? Some people think that has everything to do with size. Once you have seven people, it's a church. Others have said you need a hundred people to be a church. Size really has nothing to do with how we define the church. There are still others that have said that you'd need certain spiritual gifts to be present in order to be a church. So how do you know if your church, even our church, is a real church? I believe the days are coming when a group of believers may not be able to publicly gather. And so we actually need to know if we're gathering as a church or not. And there are a number of signs or marks that distinguish a group as a church. So today we're going to talk about what the marks or signs of the church are. And just let me remind you that the church is a group of people who believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And they've repented of sin and they've been forgiven by God and adopted into God's family. And the church has been called out of the world to live following Jesus. That's what the church means. And we have local expressions of these people. And we have the universal church that is God's people all around the world. And what sets them apart is what they do when they gather together. Gathering with a group of people to go grocery shopping is not being the church. Neither is gathering together to paint. Today we're going to follow up on six signs or marks of a real church. Because it's so important for everyone to know what defines the church. Here's the first mark. Gospel preaching. In the book of Luke, Luke records for us some of the activities that Jesus did while he was here on earth. And in Luke chapter 20, verse 1, Luke records this about Jesus' life. He says, One day, as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple and preaching the gospel, the chief priests and the scribes with the elders came up to him. So here we see Jesus coming into the world to proclaim the good news. That's what the gospel means. The gospel is good news. In Acts chapter 5, verses 42, we see the apostles and the disciples doing the same thing. It says, And every day in the temple and from house to house, they, the apostles, 
did not cease teaching and preaching that Jesus is the Christ. The apostles proclaimed that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God, and that he had come to deliver the world from sin. And all through the book of Acts, we read these stories in these times where the people were talking about Jesus. In Acts chapter 8, verse 25, it says, Now when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. You see, the church, Jesus, the apostles, were proclaiming the gospel to anyone. To the Jewish people in Jerusalem, but also to the Samaritans. They went about telling others about the good news of Jesus. And the good news is that Jesus has come into this world, that he is real. And in fact, we're told also in Romans that there's someone must be proclaiming this message. And how are they going to hear if there is not someone to preach? You see, to preach is to proclaim the truth of the good news, the gospel. If there is good news to be told, then what's the bad news? Well, the bad news is that humanity has rebelled against God, disobeyed him on many occasions, bringing separation from God for eternity. But God who is rich in love and mercy, took on himself the consequences of sin. And those who believe in him, he's promised no separation, but eternal life. You see, that's the gospel. And we need to tell people that God is real. God created the heavens and the earth. And he is coming back again someday. And he has given us the treasure of creation and called us to obey and live in this world in a way that he sees fit. That's what the church needs to be saying. Paul realized in Galatia that there were people that were bringing a different gospel to the church in Galatia, and he had to address it. He said, as we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. You see, the gospel preaching is of so important. Telling people something different is not the church. If we say something like, come to Jesus and you'll be blessed, that's not the full gospel. Telling people that they can earn their salvation through behavior, that's not the gospel. Telling people that they are good people and God needs them on his team. That's not the gospel. The gospel is accepted by grace and faith alone. The gospel carries with it suffering. When we acknowledge Christ's sacrifice and the disciples call to pick up their cross, die to sin and self, and follow Jesus. You see, there must be gospel proclamation in a church for a church to be a church. And that's the defining mark of every church of God, is that the gospel is clearly articulated and explained to those in the church, but also to those outside the church. Well, here's the second mark, and that is life transformation. Of course, when the gospel is preached, People are changed. 
they find repentance and transformation takes place. John Calvin, one of the great reformers, said that in a true church, a further dimension of this mark of gospel preaching is that the word must also be faithfully heard and received. That's transformation. People who gather want to hear the word of God. They don't gather to hear the latest stock market report or the weather. The church gathers to hear from God. And when God speaks, which he does, lives are transformed. Let's look at the scriptures where we see this transformation. In Romans chapter 12, as Paul is writing to the church in Rome, he tells the Romans, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You see here, he's saying that if you're a follower of Jesus, you're not conforming to the world, but you're being transformed to be like God. In 2 Corinthians, as Paul again is writing the church in Corinth, he's like, hey, in chapter 3, verse 18, as we all with unveiled faces beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. And this comes by the Lord who is the Spirit. You see, he's talking about a change that's happening, being changed into the image of God. You see, the people of God are a transformed people. If there are, is no putting off of the old man, if there's no putting off of sin and no putting on of the new man that is renewed in the image of God, it's not the church. The people of God are transformed by the spirit of the living God that dwells within the believer. If there's no change in the people that gather as the church, they are not the church. Those who were once greedy are no longer greedy. Those who stole now work with their hands. Those that are, were arrogant are now humble. Those that were mean are now kind. Those that were selfish are now loving. Those overcome with addictions to those that overcome their addictions. You see, one of the vital marks of the church, yes, is preaching the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. But what comes along with that is life transformation. And if there is no gospel proclamation, there is no life transformation. But with gospel proclamation, there must be life transformation. And if you're not in a church where the people around you are being changed and you yourself are not being changed, then you're not in a church. You don't have the mark of the church. Here's another mark of the church, and that's prayer. Luke records for us some of the things that Jesus said and in Luke 19, Jesus says to the people around him at that moment, it is written, my house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. One metaphor for the church or God's people is a temple or a house. What Jesus says here is that his people are to be people of prayer, not robbers. 
You see, he's talking about things that were happening inside the physical building. But there's a spiritual application to this too. Because sometimes when we pray, we can actually rob God, take from him in our prayer life, where we're just asking him to bless us. That's not really prayer. Prayer is where we're communing with God. We're in direct communication with him, where we're praying for the things that he desires. He's speaking to us. He's encouraging our heart. In Acts, Luke again records for us in chapter 1 some of the things that the early church did. And it, it says in verse 14 of Acts 1, And all these, all these people, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. You see, the followers of Jesus devoted themselves to prayer as they gathered this is the beginning of the church, and this is after Christ's ascension into heaven. This is the church. And this mark of prayer needs to be evident in the church. And if there's no prayer in the church, if people are not praying when they gather, it's not the church. We need to be praying as the church, talking to God about our concerns, listening to God for what he wants us to partake with him in. That's prayer where we're in conversation with God. And if it's not happening, it's not the church. Another mark of the church is baptism. In Acts chapter 2, verse 41, we read this commentary of what was happening in the church. And it says, So those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. You see, they heard the gospel. The gospel was proclaimed. And they were baptized. And again, we see this throughout the book of Acts. As we look at the early church in Acts 8, verse 12, it says, But then when they believed Philip, as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women, they believed. They, they heard the gospel proclamation. They believed, they responded, and they responded by being baptized. Jesus himself in Matthew 24, as he's ascending back into heaven, leaves his disciples with this great commission, this command in Matthew 28. And at verse 18, it reads, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You see, baptism in water is one of the marks of the church. Baptism is a first step of obedience to God as a follower of Jesus. It's a public event where we declare our allegiance to Jesus, displaying our identity with his death and resurrection, and where we give this symbol of our sins being washed as we're dunked in the water. You see, a church has this mark that baptisms are happening, where the people are hearing this good news proclaimed, lives are being changed, and people are turning away from their life, away from God, to a life 
with God. And with that comes baptism. Here's another mark of the real church, and that is communion. Over in 1 Corinthians, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth because they've got some problems and they've been doing these things, these traditions, these marks of the real church, but they've been doing them wrongly. And Paul writes to them to show them what they need to be doing. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, he writes, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You see, Paul here says that this needs to be done often. Once every year is not very often. Anyone can lead communion. You don't have to be a minister or a reverend or a pastor. That's not actually what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that anyone, any of the disciples, could lead communion. And it happened in small gatherings or it happened in large gatherings. The point is, a real church remembers the death and resurrection of Jesus. That's what the church does. And these things of prayer and uh, baptism and communion or the Eucharist or the Lord's Supper, however you want to define communion, whatever word you use to describe it, must be happening in a real church. And if these things aren't happening, it's not a real church. The last mark is worship. Worship is ascribing worth to God, to Jesus. Not ascribing worth to us with self-interest, like, how did that make me feel today? Not putting on a good show for everyone to see how great we are, but directing our attention to Jesus. For he alone is worthy. And we read again in Corinthians where Paul is writing to the church, trying to get them to figure this all out. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 26, What then, brothers, when you come together, each one of you has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. Right here he's saying, hey, brothers and sisters, when you gather together, part of what needs to be happening is this singing of a hymn and worship. And again, as he's writing to the church in Colossae, he says to them in chapter 3, verse 16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. You see, songs that exalt Jesus are worship. Not love ballads, but words that mean something to us that are saying the words, where it's coming from our hearts. And Jesus, even with his own disciples, Matthew records for us on the night that Jesus was taken to be crucified, the night of the Passover meal, 
when they had finished the Passover, Matthew records for us, and when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. You see, singing and worshiping God was so much a part of the church as Jesus and the disciples were gathered together. When the church gathers together, it worships Jesus, and the attention is on who Jesus is. But if that's not happening in your church, or if that's not happening in your heart, you're not being the church. In fact, it's really easy today to get off on these marks. In this time where we have been in lockdown and not being able to be in church over the last 14 months is a great time to reevaluate church life and ministry and really come back to what the church is all about. The church is about Jesus. His word being proclaimed, his truth. The truth that Jesus Christ died on the cross for the sins of the world. Where we celebrate him and ascribe worth to him. Where we pray and we're reminded of his death and resurrection. Where we encourage each other because it's not about us in this world. We're the creation. He is the creator. If you've never felt like you've been a part of the church Jesus invites, through the gospel, everyone to be a part of the church. Where we accept the good news, but in accepting the good news, we have also accepted the bad news, which is that we've all sinned and we fall short of the glory of God. But Jesus made a way that you and I could be with him for eternity. If we would just believe, trust him by faith, because of his grace, he makes a way so that we could be a part of his church, of his family. And if we are the church and if we say that we're followers of Jesus Christ, then we need to be the church and exalt Jesus to be engaged in life transformation because the Holy Spirit is active in us but to be praying for opportunities to be partaking of the Lord's Supper together, of the being baptized if we haven't been baptized as a believer, and worshiping God. You see, those are the marks of the church. And if we as the church are not doing those things, we are not the church. You recognize the church by the activity that the church does, not by the building, not by the people in it, but by the lives that are transformed and following Jesus. Today, we just need to make sure that every church, any church, any group that calls themselves a church is living in these marks. Would you join with me as we pray for the church today? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the gift of your church. I thank you, Lord, for the gift of your family. Lord, I pray today as we have talked about the signs and marks of your church, that each one of us would evaluate and know how to recognize a group of people that are really authentically and truly being the church. Lord, I pray that 
anyone who is listening that is not a part of the church would today make that step of faith and believe and trust you for salvation. And Lord, that we would worship you as the creator and that we would live for you, acknowledging you in this world. So God, I pray for your church worldwide, that your church would be the church and the church would do the things that the church does. And Lord, if there are other things that have crept into our churches, that you'd take this time through COVID and the stopping of just pausing and reflecting on what church really is to our hearts so that the church could be the church. So God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the gift of your people. And we pray all of this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to support the ministry of Pinewoods Chapel, please visit pinewoodschapel.com and click give. Have a great week.